times of political change in a nation, and we just went through one, and the United States is going through one, there can be a lot of prejudices that come up on social media and a lot of prejudices and a lot of mindsets that are less than Christ-like that can kind of rise to the surface regarding the poor. Right? I don't agree with all of the policies the government passes. I don't agree with entitlement. I don't agree that people should be able to do nothing for something. I, don't, I personally don't agree with all of that. But the reality is there can be a prejudice in the church towards the poor and why people are in, in that situation. So I just want to say that I am very, very excited as a church on Thursday to be able to serve people with dignity and with respect because the Bible does say this is pure religion that you care for. And every person, we said last week, every person that walks through the doors of this church, we want them to have an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus made this statement. He said, I was in jail and you visited me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. That's what Jesus said. So whether we have 10 people here on Thursday or whether we have 40, why they're in the situation there are, why, why they are at our soup kitchen, none of that matters. What matters is Jesus said when we feed them, we're feeding him. And they are worthy of dignity and respect and they're worthy of the love of Jesus because he hung on the cross for them. So I'm very, very excited as a church to be able to do it to the least of these because we're doing it unto him. Because I want you to know something. There's been times in my life I've been the least of these. There's just been times I've been the least worthy. And yet people have loved me and cared for me. And, and, uh, and so I'm thankful for that. So aren't you thankful for where God is taking us and what God is doing? Amen. In these things. Okay, so let's look to the word of the Lord. I had, I had a message all prepared. And then the last 12 hours the Lord's been stirring me with something. So we're just going to kind of go with what is being stirred on my heart because I think we need encouragement this morning. And uh, the call of Elisha in 1 Kings chapter 19. Here's the background. Elijah, Elijah was the prophet who was called to prophesy in one of the darkest times of Israel's history. You'd probably know at least one or two of these names. Uh, the, the king of Israel at the time was a man named Ahab, and Ahab had a wife, Jezebel. There's a reason why people aren't calling their daughters Jezebel anymore, okay? She was just a nasty, nasty woman. Eventually, she fell out of a window, got dashed on the grounds, and the dogs ate her. So it's a happy ending. But, uh, <laughs> but she was a nasty, nasty woman. And, and Ahab was king, but Ahab wasn't the leader of the land. He had the title, but Jezebel was the one who actually uh, was dominant. She was the one who had dominion. She's the one whose will was accomplished in the land through her husband. That's why sometimes you'll hear people throw around the term in the church, oh, they have a Jezebel spirit. It means that they're not, they're not the top person, but they're the one that influences and manipulates and motivates the top person so that they can have their way, okay? That's, that's what that term means. And Elijah, I mean, it was wickedness. They had Asherah poles, and they sacrificed to Baal. It was a very sexually perverted, sexually charged religion. They were sacrificing their children. They'd put them on hot plates and burn them to death in, in, for their god, Moloch. Like, just all kinds of wickedness was in the land. And into this environment... Uh, God called Elijah to prophesy into that environment. Uh, 
So you had a government that bowed to the will of other people. You had a government and a ruling system that was being manipulated by a perverse, sexually charged, entitled uh, agenda. Doesn't that sound familiar? Sounds an awful lot like our society, doesn't it? Okay? And Jezebel had uh, made a decree that all the prophets of the God, uh, all the prophets of the Most High God would be murdered. And so there wasn't very many left. Again, doesn't that sound like our day? Anybody who stands up and speaks for God, we're going to silence them. We're going to shut them down. We're, gonna, we're, we're not going to give any tolerance to them. In a tolerant society, it's amazing how intolerant society is towards anybody who claims to be a prophet of God and who claims to preach the word of God. Amen? But it's nothing new. That was Elijah's life. So Elijah became depressed went off to a mountain for 40 days, was clinically depressed, and the Lord meets with him on the mountain. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah flees there. The Lord reestablishes him, encourages him, <clears throat> gives him a new fire in his bones for what he's been called to do. And this is where we're going to pick it up. That's just all the background. And so in, in 1 Kings 19, verse 19, it says, So Elijah went from there. He was full of the Spirit of the Lord again. He was encouraged. He, his mandate and his mission and his prophetic call were back on his life. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shephat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him. Elisha left him, and he went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then, they set out, then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Why couldn't Elijah have thrown the cloak on Bob? It's just too confusing. Elijah and Elisha. You know what I mean? But anyways, it is what it is. And I'm probably going to mess up today. So, the cloak. Some of you are wondering what the cloak is about uh, in this story. The cloak was known as the mantle of God. Remember, Moses had his staff, right? That represented the authority and the power of God. Uh, Elijah and the prophets always had a cloak that they wore that represented the mantle, the covering, as it were, of the anointing and the power and the mandate of God. And so Eli this is the story. Elijah comes, throws his cloak, his mantle, his heavenly calling, his prophetic unction, his office. He throws it on Elijah and literally walks away. He doesn't say anything. But Elisha knows, whether it was through the anointing that came representative on the cloak, whether it's because he knew who Elijah was or a combination of those things, he knew that his life would irrevocably be changed. He knew that, and we see that because he kills his, his oxen. He actually would have been the, the owner of the farm because it says he was plowing, and he was plowing with the 12th team, so he was kind of like you know the, the kingpin of that whole farmland. It was his family. It was his inheritance, and what does he do? He burns, his, his, uh, uh, he, he burns it as a sacrifice, and he leaves his inheritance. He leaves his former destiny to follow the new call that God had put on his life. But I want you to focus on just a couple of things this morning. Number one, what was Elisha doing? When Elijah came off the mountain, 
and found Elisha. Elisha was doing what he did every single day of his life. He was being faithful to what he was called to do. And it was simply this. He would put his hand to the plow. He would uh, tilt, break up the ground and he would sow his seed. He did that every day of his life. He would get up when the sun was shining and if it was raining. He would do it uh, if he was in a good mood or a bad mood. If, him, if he and his family were getting along, he would wake up. He would put his hand to the plow. He would break up the ground and he would sow his seed. If his family and him weren't getting along, he would wake up that day. He would put his hand to the plow. He would break up the ground and he would sow the seed, even if he wasn't feeling that good, even if he was feeling great, even if he wanted to do something else. Every single day he would get up and do what he was called to do, and that was put his hand to the plow. He would break up the ground and he would sow the seed. Every day, nothing had changed. He just did it faithfully, day in and day out, day in and day out. He had no idea what was going on in Elijah's life. He had no idea that his destiny was about to change when he got up that morning he got up he made his Maxwell House coffee in his Keurig machine he ate his eggs and his he wouldn't have eaten bacon he was Jewish he would have eaten his eggs and something else and uh, I don't know what would what would have they eaten I don't know duck I don't know uh, lamb he would have eaten his lamb and he and he would have uh, brushed his teeth and he would have put his hand to the plow he would have started to break up the ground and he would have sown the seed but this day everything was going to change everything was going to change but he was faithful to what he was called to do. And so this morning, I, I have a message that I had prepared on remaining in the vine, how daily, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of experience we have in church, it comes down to the fact that every single day we've got to remain attached to Jesus. That's where our life comes from. That's, I'm thankful for the experiences we have, but I can't go from experience to experience. I need the sustenance of being attached to Jesus and his Holy Spirit every single day. So every single day, all of us spiritually, all of us as parents, all of us as mothers, all of us as fathers, all of us as believers, all of us as, as workers are called to get up, put our hand to the plow, to turn up the ground, and then to sow seeds. We're called to do that. And so I, I just want to encourage you with this today. And I feel I need to say this. Again, uh, I feel sometimes like I need to preach messages twice because, you know, last week this section was full and today it's not. And, and, but we'll encourage people to watch it on YouTube because I just want people to understand that the, the Holy Spirit's put this on my heart, not, not for us individually yet. He will in a second, but for this church. Jim, for this church. This church has been putting his hand to the plow uh, it has been breaking up the ground and it's been sowing seed year after year after year after year. We talked about that last week, didn't we? This church had a mandate when it moved here in 1990 to, to be a church in the community for the community to share the love of Jesus. This church has, has seen literally, and this is no exaggeration, hundreds Hundreds of teenagers and hundreds of children come through these, these doors. We're over here, but through these doors and sit and hear the message of Jesus Christ. Some have stayed and remained. Others have gone, but seeds have been planted. I'm going to be honest. I came here as a pastor 12, 13 years ago, and I sensed the destiny of God on this church. But I want to tell you something. This community has been hard 
we, you have to put your hand to the plow. You have to break up the ground and sow seed. And you've got to do it year in and year out because this is a hard community. Because this is an affluent community. It's a blue-collar community that makes money that people in other areas only dream of. I'm not being hard. I'm being honest. So it's been hard. It's been hard for this church in many ways to sustain growth because as a bedroom community, people come and go. But what has this church, what has Parkway Church done since 1990 and even before uh, then when it was down in Courtright? What has this church done? Faithful people have gotten up and put their hands to the plow. They said there's a job to do. There's a work to do. There's a mandate that God has called us to. So we are just going to do it. And they started to turn up the ground, the hardness of hearts. They've started to, 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 to turn up the ground of the hardness of the materialism and all of the, all of the things that people in this community are pursuing. And by the way, every community right now is hard because people without Jesus have a hardness of heart and a blindness of eye. And it takes the church of Jesus to put their hand to the plow, to turn up the ground so they can sow seed year in and year out. What Jennifer is talking about, people who at one time had a hard heart call NeighborLink and they break down and they cry and they say, I've never been in this situation before. There's a soft heart. And then NeighborLink starts to plow up that heart through love and plow up that heart through helping them, plow up that heart through showing them pure religion, the love and the practical love of Jesus Christ so they can sow seeds. Is this making sense? You're all really quiet. You're looking at me like I've lost my marbles. Is this, is this, is this throwing you? I don't know. But this church has been faithful. Seeds have been planted. But before seeds can be planted, hard hearts have to be tilled. So every day, people get up. You go into your workplace. Every day, parents get up, and they pray for their prodigals. They put their hand to the plow. They till the ground so they can sow seed. And this church has been faithful. And I feel, Jim, like the Lord and Carol and others that have been here for a while, I feel like the Lord has said this morning, you need to publicly declare that from the heart of God. Parkway's been faithful. And there has been people that when Parkway went from a church of 100 down to a church of 30 or 40 again because it went through a split. Why? Because people are stupid. I don't know, I don't know what else to say. Because we're dumb. We have a propensity to dig in our heels in where they should never be healed in, making issues of things where there shouldn't be issues. And, and, and Jesus just sits in heaven and says, you know what? I, when you guys figure it out, then, then, I'll, then I'll be back. And there was people even through those difficult, heartbreaking times. There was people that just went pew. But there was people that got up the Sunday after that happened many, many years ago. Put their hand in the plow started to turn up the hard ground, sowed seed. And because of their faithfulness in sowing financially, sowing with their hearts, sowing with their tears, sowing with their grief, sticking with a church that, that had brought a lot of pain to their lives and their family, they still got up, put their hand in the plow, turned up the ground, sowed seed. Do you know why they did that? So that when you and I walked in many years later, we could go, there's a wonderful spirit of grace here. This is amazing. We just sense the love and the fellowship and, and the heart and the, and the mercy and the acceptance of God. Do you know why we could say that? Because a number of years ago, people got up, put their hand in the plow, tilled the ground, and sowed seed. Right? And so, I really believe, like, 
and, and for you folk that know me, you know I'm not one of these, you know, oh, it's coming. Oh, it's coming, folks, this incredible stuff. Uh, you know I'm not one of those people, but I need to tell you it is coming, and it's here. The presence and the purpose of the Holy Spirit in God. And we're not seeing fully what God wants to do and accomplish, but we're seeing a lot of it. And I'm so, so thankful that, you know, two years ago we were in two services. We're back in one right now. And the people, the, the Lord again showed me in the last few days, the people that are here are the people that said, you know what, it's okay. Churches have their ups, they have their downs, they have their seasons, they have, it's all part of being in a church, folks. It's all, it's all part of it. But the Lord said, the people that you have now have been tilling the ground. They've been putting their hand in the plow, tilling the ground, sowing seed, and your time of harvest is at hand. That's what the Lord has been telling us. That's what the Lord has been speaking to us. As I declared last week, how many people does it take that aren't part of this body, that don't even live here, that fly in or drive in to come and minister and share? We've had missionaries. We've had uh, officers of our denomination. We've had evangelists. We've had pastors. We've had visitors. And they've come in and said, man, I'm telling you something. God has got a destiny, a mantle on this church to heal the sick, to be a house of mercy, to be a place that can just sow seeds in the community to see a community transformed. And as I told you last week, I finally said, okay, Lord, you've told me enough times over the last, you know, three, four years, I finally, I finally get it. It's through this thick skull. But I can only say that because there's people that are here that get up every day and they put their hand to the plow. They till the ground. And you're sowing seed. So I thank God for that. But I also want to talk to individuals today. Because there's individuals here, you've been getting up every day. And you've been putting your hand in the plow. You've been tilling the ground. You've been sowing seeds. Some of you have been doing it for a year. Some of you six months. Some of you six years. Some of you a lot longer than even that. But I want to encourage you today. Because you, you think every day, you just get up and you say, I, I, want, I want to talk I asked last week, so I'm going to ask this week. I can either preach or I can be honest, share and honest my heart with you today. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you today. Yeah, I'm going to be honest with you today. My wife isn't here today because she woke up with a migraine. And, and my immediate reaction was to be upset again. And I said, Lord, why would you stir me? Why would I had this wonderful, nice message on abiding in the vine, abiding in the vine, love, joy, peace. If you remember that, you've been in the church as long as I have, okay? I had a nice message about abiding in the vine. I said, Lord, why, why would you have me speak on breakthrough? And my wife wakes up with a migraine today. And this is what the Lord spoke into my heart. He said, Jay, you've got to get up every day, put your hand in the plow. You got to till the ground and you got to plant seeds. And the Lord said, You've got to get up every day and you've got to till up the hardness of your heart that looks at those circumstances. And He says, You've got to start to keep your heart soft, keep your heart pursuing the things that I've told you to pursue, and plant those seeds of the confession that she is healed because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. And the day is coming very soon when she will never have another migraine again. Unless she gets knocked on the head or something. I mean, stuff happens, right? 
But the Lord said, your calling, your calling is to put your hand to the plow, till the ground, and keep sowing those seeds. Confess my word. Confess her healing and the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Apply to her the stripes that I took for your wife. You just keep getting up. Put your hand in the plow. Till that ground and plant those seeds. Because one day the mantle of heaven is going to come. And it is going to fall. And there's going to be breakthrough. And I absolutely believe it. But until that day comes, guess what I got to do? Right? And that's where some of you are at. There's some marriages here today. And you've been believing for your marriage. It might be an unsaved spouse. It might be just for the health of your marriage. And you're like, I have been doing this thing year after year, month after month. Nothing seems to be happening. Well, now you can put words to it. You've been putting your hand to the plow. You've been tilling the ground, and you've been sowing seeds of forgiveness, seeds of mercy, seeds of prayer, seeds of the word, seeds of the spirit, seeds of, 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 uh, of uh, freedom, seeds of wholeness, seeds of life. You've been sowing those into your marriage, and breakthrough is coming. When the Holy Spirit started to stir my heart, a couple hours, 12 last night before bed, when it started to stir my heart on this principle, I said, Holy Spirit, here's the deal. And you can't make deals with God. It's wrong. It's bad theology. It doesn't work. It's arrogant. But I said, here's the deal. <laughs> I said, if, if you have me release that, I said, then it has to be because there's people who breakthrough is going to be there this morning for them. Because I don't want to release something that just becomes a pump, pump us up Tony Robbins type message. And as I was sitting here, I was still undecided. And I felt the Spirit say, release that word. I want to encourage people to keep putting their hand in the plow in their marriages. Turning up the hard ground of hearts and by sowing seeds. Remember a few weeks ago, we handed out the cloths of serving. That's all part of it. You serve your spouse. You serve. You serve. You serve. You wash their feet. You, you lay your life down. You speak blessing when you want to curse. You forgive when you have the right to harbor. You, you, you are breaking up the ground and sowing seeds by doing that. That's how you put your hand to the plow. Some of you are looking for a breakthrough in your health. I just want to say to you, uh, they're not here this morning, but... For, for five years, Len and Linda got up, put their hand to the plow. They, they, they tilled the, the ground, and they were sowing seeds of the fact and the reality that Jesus Christ had paid the price for their healing and for your healing and for my healing. That's a message they brought to this church. And for five years, Len had to get up, put his hand to the plow, he had to till up the ground that his circumstances, that his doctor's reports, that the cancer uh, cells that were growing in his body were telling him. He had to keep turning up that ground and keeping his heart soft and stand on the promises of God's word that proclaims by his stripes we are healed. And three weeks ago, we heard what happens for five years of getting up every day and saying, Jesus, the doctor told me nothing's changed. The doctor told me that my counts are out of whack. The doctor told me the cancer's still there. 
But Jesus, I put my hand to the plow today and I turn it up with the truth of your word and the watering of your spirit and the finished work of the cross of Jesus and his shed blood and the stripes that he took. And I'm going to plow that today and I'm going to scatter the seeds of my confession. And sometimes I waver, sometimes I don't want to do it, but I'm going to sow those seeds. And three weeks ago, the mantle of healing came upon land and he declared, I am healed. I am healed. So we have to get up every day, put our hand to the plow, turn up the ground, and sow seeds. And guess what? God hasn't called me out of this church as your pastor. So every day that I'm in this community, every day that you're in this community and alive, every day that he keeps calling you and I to this church and this body, whether it's through the Thursday super lunch and people who need that meal, we are going to... We are going to put our hand to the plow. We're going to cook pot pies. We're going to serve people. We're going to find the money even if we don't have it because the church that lends to the poor, gifts to the poor, is lending to the Lord. I'll say that again. The church or the person that gives to the poor is lending to the Lord. Right? And we're going to plow that ground. And we're going to show people how much Jesus loves them. And if it comes in the form of hot soup and a prayer and building relationship and getting to know them, one day the mantle of salvation is going to fall on them and they're going to go, Jesus really does love me and I have dignity and I have value and I just, I need him to walk with me every single day. We heard another report this morning. Sam came to us and said, he was talking to someone who said, I hear that the power of God is in your church to heal the sick. Can people come and pray with me because I have cancer? Folks, what we've been declaring is starting to happen. And so we're going to continue to put our hand to the plow and till the ground and sow seed until we start to see the 95% healed instead of the 5% healed. Come on, folks. God hasn't told us to back off. So that's... That's what we're going to do. And so I just, uh, I just want to encourage people today. I really, really do. And so, Steve, we've been praying for you for a long time, haven't we? And you're not embarrassed, are you? Nope. And so, Steve, we know that Steve has epilepsy. Steve has prayed and seen people healed. Him and Yvonne, as part of our prayer team, have seen people healed. I don't have the answers how that happens. All I know is, Steve, I just encourage you, put your hand in the plow, turn up the ground of unbelief, discouragement. I, I would say, like even over my wife, I would say for her, it's, she's gotta, we got to keep that, that discouragement, that discouragement away. And I think that's true of most people that are contending, right? And so uh, I need someone to help me this morning. Do I, I have an elder here. Sam, come on up. This is what we're going to do, Steve. And I really believe that this was part of if you give the Holy Spirit an ultimatum, he'll give you one. <laughs> or he'll just tell you to be quiet and do what I said. But this is, when I said Holy Spirit, I just, I, I'm going to believe for breakthrough this morning. The Holy Spirit said, bring a blanket that represents the mantle of God. Have it prayed over before service. And then just put it on people's symbolic of what we read about between Elijah and Elisha. So Sam, I'm going to ask you to come and put this on Steve. Do you know why, friends? Because Steve, Steve has been getting up every day despite his own need for breakthrough. And Steve has put his hand to the plow. 
not just in healing. He's been a deacon. He's been an elder. He's been a pulpit chairman guy. He's preached. If it needed done around here, Steve's put his hand in the plow. He's tilled the ground, and he's scattered seed. And he's watched while other people have had their breakthrough, and his has eluded them. Don't know why. Don't have the theological answer except to say, this morning, Steve, I felt like the Lord say, place this mantle on you. Now, can we have a few people in the body of Christ come? Lay hands on Steve, and let's believe that his epilepsy is healed today. Come on, who's agreeing with me? Today. In Jesus' name. It's all because of the grace of God. The things I listed that Steve did doesn't give him any entitlement, except to say, the Spirit of the Lord released me to say about Steve, he's been putting his hand to the plow, he's been faithful, he's been breaking up the ground, he's been sowing seed, and it's harvest time in Steve's body. So let's believe. In Jesus' name. Come on, no spectators, church. Stretch your hands out and pray this morning. Jesus' name, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, friends, that there's power in our words. The power of life and death are in our words. And sometimes, even when our circumstances are telling us something different, our mouth has to speak the truth of God's word because it's the higher reality and the greater authority. Do we understand that? So this morning we're going to speak something on behalf of Steve that Roger Sapp taught us, and it's this, but as the body of Christ, we want to stand behind our brother that we love, and I want you to repeat after me, okay? This healing belongs to Steve. Come on, let's say it like we mean it. Say it as a prayer, a declaration. Power of life and death are in our words. This healing belongs to Steve because of what Jesus accomplished by the stripes on his back and the power of his shed blood. In Jesus' name. Now let's give God thanks for healing Steve. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> so, friends, until Steve stands up and testifies that he knows he's been healed and there's no longer a need for his medicine, some of us need to grab that plow on his behalf, till the ground, and keep sowing seeds of healing in his life. I want to pray uh, for one more person who's going to symbolically stand in for other people in this category. I'm not doing this to be sensational. 
But, uh, you know, uh, I like to read, but there's, sometimes there's a good picture, right? Sometimes a good picture. And so when Steve, when that mantle went on Steve, uh, smells good. It's not the anointing, it's Febreze. I wanted to make sure at least, you know. Well, it could be the anointing, you know, similar, but yeah. Some of you are going, the Holy Spirit sure smells like, you know, lilacs. <laughs> there goes the dove, right? No. I'm so glad Jesus has a sense of humor and everybody said, all right. No, uh, I just, when, when that went on Steve, I pictured the prophet Elijah, and we did it more respectfully, but the prophet Elijah, if you read it, there's no discussion. I mean, I don't know if he was dysfunctional or if he was lead, following the leading of the Spirit, but he literally walks up, takes the cloak, and he just goes, and he walks away, and everything changed in Elisha's life. Everything changed. So when we put that on Steve, I pictured just that mantle of Almighty God that called Elijah, remember, to stand down to hundreds of satanic prophets and bring fire down from heaven. Elijah was a man of incredible power and miracles. Elijah's the guy that knew how to put his hand to the plow, break up the ground, and sow seed. Do you know why? Because when Elijah said that there would be rain after three and a half years of drought, uh, he sent a servant and said, do you see a cloud? And the servant came back, uh, what was it, six times and said, I don't see a thing. And what did Elijah do? Elijah put his hand on the plow, turned up the ground, called out to Almighty God, scattered seed with his prayer, and sent him back again. Seventh time, the servant comes back and says, well, I see a little white, puffy cloud the size of my hand. And Elijah says, get ready, because rain is coming. He put his hand to the plow, he turned up the ground, and he scattered seed six times. Thank God he didn't stop it six times. Thank God he got up the seventh time, put his hand on the plow, turned up the ground, scattered the seed, and said, check one more time. Thank God that he knew, as we talked last week, that he had spiritual eyes that could see that one little tiny cloud was going to become a deluge of rain. And he says, you better get your chariot ready, because if you wait too long, your chariot's going to get bogged down with all of the mud that's ready to come because of the rain, and you won't be able to go anywhere. So I'm telling you, as the pastor, we need to get ready for the things God has declared. Because we might only hear one request for prayer, for cancer. We might have uh, four people that come on a Sunday night. We might have a few people that show up uh, on a Sunday here and there. But get ready. There's going to be people that are coming because they need an encounter with Jesus. Some of them are going to be your children, your prodigals. And so I just want to pray for one more category of people before we just kind of wrap up, go to worship, and then close our time with just, just prayer this morning. Are you all hanging with me? Are you all okay? All right. Uh, and if you're not, thank you for not being rude and walking out in the middle of it. I appreciate that. Uh, I want to pray for somebody because the Spirit's quickened your heart today. You say, man, that's me. That's me. Uh, I, I, I want to claim that word for my life, uh, and you're going to represent other people. Someone with prodigals. And you say, you know what? I've been putting my hand in the plow. I've been turning up the ground through my prayers, through all of the things I've been called to do. I've been sowing seed. But you know what? It's time for my breakthrough in the lives of my kids, in the lives of the prodigals in my life. It's time. I want it to be me. I, I feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to do this. So let me just say, whoever responds, I believe you're going to see it. Because the Holy Spirit's pride wasn't going to go in this direction this morning. Any of it, but I wasn't going to go in this direction. But I feel we need to do it. Who wants to come and say, I want to come on behalf of my prodigals and be prayed for? All right, here we go.
Honor their faith this morning, folks. Honor their faith. Coming to pray or be prayed for? Pray for kids, okay. All right. Prodigals? All right, come on over here. We have more coming. So this is what we're going to do. And, and this may seem, again, I really, I felt this morning like we needed to do, to do this symbolically. So I'm going to ask you, Steve, to do something. Everybody who's here for prodigals, we need you to spread out, okay? And, and move up so people can get in behind you, okay? Steve, I'm going to ask people to come and stand in front of these folk and just start to pray for them. As they do that, can you just start with Janet and just even for a few seconds, put that cloak on her that represents the mantle of God, the breakthrough and the provision of heaven, and then just say in Jesus' name, and, and as you feel led, and just move all the way down to the middle, Bob and Carol, and then from Donna over. Can you do that as we pray? Because this represents, friends, the mantle of the Holy Spirit and these answers to prayer. So this is what I'd like. I'd like the body of Christ to come. And to start to minister to these people. But I'm going to ask you to do something brave. And that's just kind of come beside them or in front of them. You don't have to pray out loud. Just start to minister so Steve can get in behind them. Okay? Let's do that. Come on, folks. Maybe, Matt, can you just come and jump on the keyboard? Because we will go to worship in a minute. Come on, church. Let's all stand. I know this makes some of you nervous. Come on, stand with these folks. They're here because they have children that are going to go to a lost eternity without Jesus Christ and their hearts are breaking for them. And we're believing today that the Holy Spirit had me make a fool of myself with this message because he wants to declare that they're prodigals. They're prodigals. The years of putting their hand in the plow, turning up the ground and sowing the seed is going to result in the salvation of their families, their grandchildren, their son-in-laws, their daughter-in-laws, and their sons and daughters in Jesus' name. So let's, Matt's just going to quietly lead us, and we're just going to pray, and then we're going to let these people be ministered to, okay? So Jesus, we come. Your word says that you are not slow in returning as if you've forgotten your promise, but that you delay so that all may come to the salvation of Jesus Christ. And we want to thank you for these hearts of mothers and fathers that are here today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that they have been putting their hand faithfully to the plow. They've been turning up the ground and they've been sowing seed. And we declare this morning that today is a day of harvest. Today, the harvest is going to be reaped as the Holy Spirit brings their children and their sons and their daughters and their grandchildren home to the house of their father. So we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, we speak faith, we speak confidence, and we speak life over each and every one, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and we speak to the prodigals. We think of the promise you gave to your own people, Israel. You said that you would, they'd been scattered to the winds, but that you would bring them back to their homeland, rejoicing and singing in God their Redeemer. And so we speak to the four winds where these prodigals are spiritually, and we just call them home to the house of their Father. We call them home to Jesus. We pray they'd recognize the emptiness of their life, the emptiness of their ways. We pray you'd give them a distaste for where they've been going and put in them a heart, a longing for what life used to be like in the arms of their Father. 
in the house of their God. And so we just speak to the four winds and pray that they would come home rejoicing in God, their Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Matt, just quietly lead us, and we're just going to pray for these folk this morning.
We're going to continue to pray for these people. Uh, can I have uh, John and Trudy back and the members of our prayer team? Uh, if anyone is here this morning and there's a burden on your heart or a need in your life, we want to give you opportunity to be prayed for. Maybe it's for healing. You've been putting your hand in the plow, turning up the ground and sowing seeds of faith, sowing seeds of claiming the promises of God in your breakthrough.